Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. You're listening to the Purpose Made Podcast. We are here to inspire positive change in our post-pandemic global society, talking to business leaders around the globe, discussing the highs, lows, and challenges they've experienced. Our hosts, Neil Bestford and Peter Bell, created Purpose Made in 2021 during the height of the pandemic, combining their passion for people, culture, and transformational change. They sit down with business leaders and ask, what does the future look like? Don't forget to click subscribe to hear all the latest news and views on our changed global society. So it's Mental Health Awareness Week. Let's let's chat about let's chat about mental health. Yeah. No, I think if we just share our experiences and kind of what what's motivated us to do what we're doing. So Neil, what <laughs> why, why what motivated you to start Purpose Made? It obviously predates Purpose Made because I've been running my other business, Authentic, since 2017. Yeah. Um, back in 2017, like officially launched um, January 2018. So, and I think the main purpose for that was because I'd got to a point in my life, I was 37, 38, like 37, going on 38. And I got to a point in my life where I just, I was at loggerheads between kind of my own personal purpose and the purpose I was fulfilling for the organization I was working with or any organization for that matter, yeah. that I just felt that I wanted to do something that I was driving and that I would connect with and I would work with. And I think that that kind of just spurred me on. And I think building on the fact that, you know, my, my dad set his business up in 1981. So that's like 40 years this year. My brother works for his, his, his own business. Um, so he works for the, my, my dad's business, which is now his business. And then... My twin brother, like he, he's got his own company, and and I think it just all came ahead in kind of 2017. I thought, you know, what it is if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now. And I just thought, right, I'm going to big leap of faith and just jumped into it and said, right, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to make a success of it. And I think there was loads of factors in terms of why I chose to go self-employed, and partly to do with the fact of my experiences in the past and like what I'd what I'd experienced through my work and life in terms of the kind of high pressured working in high pressure environments, working for organizations 
where that's just the culture and it's just kind of what you did. And it was those high expectations in terms of making sure that you gave it your all and it really did mean your all. And it was like every part of your being was was expected to be there day in, day out. And and really kind of like life outside of work just didn't really factor into it. It was just get in work, get the job done, doesn't matter how long it takes, go home, recover and come back in again. And that's kind of what I'd been so used to, particularly through my twenties, like when I was kind of progressing through the ranks of creative agencies and and working as an account manager and dealing with clients and and design teams and and production and all that kind of stuff. It's just it's all consuming, and it was all consuming. But you thrive on it, you know. And I, I loved it, and I absolutely loved it, and I was so passionate about it. But then, as you kind of get older, you realise that actually there's more to life outside of work. And I think that that's what kind of really hit me, probably my thirties. So like kind of 30 onwards, it drove me to, to kind of look at that kind of holistic view of my life and look at what was important outside of work and what was important inside of work and really make that distinction between the two. And obviously being self-employed, it's a lot easier to do that because you're in control and I'm now in control of my own working hours, working patterns when I work, when I choose not to work. And the way that I kind of operate my business is around my lifestyle and what's important to me. Yeah, like fundamentally, lifestyle shift, working, you know, under my own steam, deciding like who I work with, um, both in partnership with other organizations, but also with clients that I work with for the good of me and my lifestyle. It's true what you say, though, because like you kind of get into the mold of how a company works, doesn't matter which company you work for, you kind of follow that culture and follow that design and follow that pathway. And, you know, you progress and develop as you go along your journey. I think for me, looking at like our conversations to begin with that started off the whole venture of Purpose Made, I used to always challenge the idea in my head, there's got to be more, there's more to this. We're providing a service, granted, and you know, it doesn't matter which industry you work in or what um, clients you were working with or who your stakeholders were. Ultimately, it was a service that you were providing. But quite a lot of my journey was about looking at the fact that I never really felt the ability to be myself in a lot of these companies that I've worked for and also never really felt that, that they're doing enough. So if you're kind of looking at the world in which we live in, We've had conversations before and there was an interesting thing that we've chatted about, about businesses having a soul, like looking at the world in which we live in at the moment. People want more from companies, they expect more. There's a closer relationship between yourself and your clients and also there's a closer relationship between what a company's doing. There's more information out there, it's it's more easily accessible. So looking at the knowledge that I know that there's a demand for more, that's kind of driven a lot of the ideas and concepts that we're coming up with for Purpose Made, but also it's allowing me to be a bit more creative where in the past I've, I've, I have felt a little bit like there's more that we could be doing here and rightly or wrongly, you fall into the molds of the companies that you work for us to their style, their approach. This kind of ability to be free, I think, is is refreshing in the fact that we have we can design our output and our relationships with our clients to offer that that approach where we can give more to community, more to society, more more input to the world that's hopefully valuable. And equally, we've both had 
our challenges with regards to like mental health and like I've always been quite a deep thinker so I think the crux of where I have progressed throughout my own mental health journey I think with being deep thinker you end up being quite critical of yourself so you know that that draws in the critical element and draws in the anxiety which ultimately can lead to difficult times which it did in in my case looking where my journey took me it was it was more towards dealing with those those issues that came to light and also seeking help for those particular areas you know one of the sad things that I get upset about like looking at the rhetoric about mental health at the moment is it's all like doom and gloom when the reality is yes it's very 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 challenging and tough to go through and sadly not all of us come out the other side but it is very much a journey it's a journey that is part of sadly an awful lot of people's lives especially with like covid we've seen people lost lose loved ones we've seen people lose jobs i've chatted before to you about how i believe that when the pandemic abates we're going to see more of an underlying mental health crisis in within the world so it's how do businesses address and adapt to that and to support their workforce and be more more supportive and, and assisting people through these difficult times and also looking at it from the fact that in life there might be dark periods of time that you go through but like light ultimately always finds a way to shine through and that's how i believe my approach to mental health is that, that there is a lot of positive to take from it like you know you look at the world in a far more broader spectrum and you look at relationships in and you can kind of you can see when people are having difficulties and you can support them or put them put them in contact with great organizations like local to us we've got like the talking therapy or for there's even that men's pie club um, in the northeast for guys that just as a man it can be difficult to talk to fellow males and because there's that whole masculinity element of it and not wanting to kind of reveal your true self but ultimately the, there are areas that you can kind of go to and you know speak to and there's people are being a little bit more open about how they really are feeling and I think if people have the ability to be open and be honest then all the benefit for that as well not just for them for them but whoever they work with or support etc etc so I think one of the main things that I wanted I guess from this episode is just to be open and be honest, like people, whoever's listening to our podcast so far, like we are very much on a journey from a business perspective, but equally we're quite knowledgeable as to how industry has shifted over the course of, especially the last year, it's shifted dramatically as to how societies and communities are intertwined into business and organizations. People are making choices nowadays as to how a company's values um, support their own values and beliefs. And this is all for the good, I think, because ultimately it'll drive a more responsible society. And ultimately the quality of work that you and the output that you ultimately work with clients and deliver is, is going to be more focused and lead to better results as well. So, you know, that shift yeah. away, we've, we've chatted about time. I think both of us have had challenging moments within our careers whereby time has been kind of the key indicator, you know, like you're working crazy hours to to the end of the night in order to get something done. I've been in environments where I've had to do that as well. Like time maybe isn't the best indicator for performance. Maybe it is actually reputation or maybe it is accountability and how, how do you hold people accountable for deliverables? Uh, is it objective settings, etc. So yeah, it's just kind of looking at world in it at the world in a new way, in a new light. And I think 
we're one of many organizations that are taking a, a chance here and, and looking at the world in a new way to offer up an alternative, I would say, to the norm. I think, you know, you mentioned there about like, it's, it's Mental Health Awareness Week. This episode, we said, right, let's just be open. Let's talk. Let's be honest and let our listeners know about our own journey. And I think my, like, if I'm just kind of focused on that for a moment, like my journey in terms of even knowing what mental health was started probably in my late twenties, I would think like really understanding kind of what mental health was and, and the impact it would have. You know, I said before I was, I was working all the hours, you know, getting into work at sometimes five in the morning, working straight through, occasionally might take a break at like 5.36, go to the gym for an hour, literally shout at the gym, come back to work. And I mean, sometimes even just come back in my gym kit and just sit at my desk and work in my gym kit through till midnight, one, two in the morning, go home, literally probably pass out on the sofa, get up, get showered, get changed and go back into work for five, six in the morning again. And then it started all over again. And that was basically kind of a good prolonged three, four, five months, you know, and we're talking around the time of kind of global issues in terms of the economy and just people really expecting more and a lot more for a lot less. And I think that came like to the detriment of my personal well-being and, and you know, I just had no idea that it was happening and no understanding of what was going on until I remember the day very, very clearly that it just, the basically... I ran into a brick wall and that was, that was basically how impactful it felt at the time. And it, it, it was just horrendous. And it was going from totally functioning, no problem at all, no issues whatsoever to breaking down in the middle of a work day and not being able to function, you know, at all. I, I just being picked up by a colleague and taken to an NHS walk-in center <laughs> because they generally didn't know what to do. You know, and it was that for me, it was that stark kind of bolt that I needed that basically went, look, something needs to give, like something needs to stop. And that's basically when I, when I kind of realized that, you know, and obviously I had to take some time off work. And then unfortunately during that process was made redundant quite quickly afterwards. And it was a horrendous time because it was my body just took over you know it wasn't a, a a strength of mind thing it was just my body went no stop stop doing what you're doing i need to recover and that's basically what i had to do and i took a couple two or three months off and then i mean you know we're talking about the height of a global economic downturn and and really the northeast wasn't there was no opportunity for anybody really to to get jobs up here and, and, you know, my dad, bless him, just said, look, get yourself down to London, you know, and that's, that's essentially what I did. So I moved out of London and then, you know, spent two or three months job hunting. So spending all that time living in a foreign place that I wasn't used to, not surrounded by anything I knew. I was living in a absolutely tiny essentially it was probably about the size of a bay window yeah. room in London with a palomine and, you know, living there all day, every day, job hunting, no support, suffered extreme levels of anxiety, which I've never experienced before, to the point of having to, you know, run to the bathroom and, and throw up. And I was like, what the hell's going on? I've got no idea. I've never experienced it before. You know, not being able to sleep, constantly 
mind heart racing and you know for prolonged periods of time and i'd really never experienced anything like that before it was very daunting and then you know lucky enough to get a job but essentially got a job doing what i was doing up here for a different agency working in 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 a foreign place in london and working with you know incredibly high profile clients and the kudos that comes with that and and but then realizing that actually nothing had changed apart from the location. <laughs> I was still expected to do all the late hours, still expected to do all that. And I just, you know, and it got to the point where I just, I fell out of love with it. And it, it really just thought, you know, there's, there's got to be more. Like you said, there's got to be more. You know, it's not just about work. But that was, that was pivotal for me. So that was kind of like my late 20s, at the, really the height of my career growth and that trajectory that you put yourself on as a young professional and, jumping for the next promotion, the next pay rise, and that's what drives you. And you don't look after yourself. And I think you talked about responsibility before and the employers being responsible, but I think there has to be a balance that we also need to be responsible for ourselves and that we need to take accountability for our own personal well-being. And it's not just about playing the blame game and blaming the employer because that's not what it's all about. I was equally culpable for my own personal welfare you know, in my late twenties than my employer was because just because they allowed that to happen doesn't mean it was their fault. It was mine. It was my fault equally, but yeah. And we've seen a big shift in that, but I can talk all all day about it, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to share that story. I'm happy to talk about it because it's shaped where I am now. Yeah. That's, that's a great way of looking at it. And it's, yeah, I totally agree. It's like, there is no blame. It's our lives. People live their own life. You, you granted you go and work for a company and you do kind of get sucked in by the, oh, I've got a promotion. Oh, I've got a pay rise. You know, like the kind of esteem of wealth, I guess, that, you know, this kind of perception anyways. But on the on the back end of that, you you become disconnected to what is really important, such as like family and friends and the ability to maintain your health, go to the gym. When we moved up here, one of the first things we did was buy a Labrador and that kind of venture outside every day in whatever weather, sun, rain, snow, whatever, like it kind of just grounds you a little bit in the fact that there is more to life than this solitary thing that can become all encompassing to what is ultimately a job. We talk about purpose made because people will be wondering as to the premise behind purpose made and where it came from. But at its core, I think it's because the whole, concept and thought of what is purpose what is behind the topic of purpose it's a buzzword it's used in everything but like we actually see there's more for an organization should be doing so you know ultimately like what's the purpose behind purpose that's what we we're there to explore we're there to develop and you know make sure that people aren't just greenwashing people in industry with buzzwords and and topics that are for their short-term benefit but actually doing some real real socially responsible action into how they run their businesses and I'll talk about my experiences but like there's no need to talk about specific trigger points because I think ultimately like a lot of people that have kind of a mental health episode or issue or whatever it may be there's a trigger point something just happens like in your case you had a colleague that had to take you off to NHS walking center for me I I just couldn't get out of bed I was broken you know my wife used to take me home 
back to Cumbria on um, one times where I literally, you know, I was crying and I, I never, I never cry. It's nothing to do being masculine or anything. It's just, I, I'm not really one for crying. And I was crying daily, continually. And I didn't know what was wrong. I was really, really scared as to what was happening. And yeah, I was just crying all the time. And even t- like the most basic of things, like going for a shower, you'd think you'd be in there for like five minutes when ultimately you've been in there for ages. The water had gone cold. And, you know, like Sophie was amazing with me, like so my family. And, you know, like it's, um, yeah, I was lucky in the fact that I had the ability to kind of talk to people. I was fairly quickly seen by like the GP referred me to like a talking therapist of, you know, a lady called Jan, that was a lady I spent most of my time with, just helped me work through a lot of the things that had led to that moment. And that one of the sad points about severe mental health and anxiety is um, you feel that it's for the benefit of everybody else if you're not here. And you feel that that's something you should be looking towards doing and removing yourself from the equation looking back at it now that's a scary scary topic to look at because we've we've been blessed in the fact that we have friends and family that really really care deeply for us we've got a lovely little boy and living in the most amazing place and you know you think to yourself like so many people people that i know as well have sadly not been so lucky at the crux i do feel a lot towards those guys that I need to keep on talking about this. Like it can't just be something that is swept under the carpet. Like it's something that people do deal with and it's not a case of having like, Oh, let's fill out this return to work form and everything's going to be fine. It's like, no, there's deeper issues that we all as individuals, as employers, as a society have to work through to understand more about how does it end up this way? And what can we do to make sure that we're being more supportive to one another to be more together and be more knowledgeable and conscious about how other people's feelings are and what your actions do to like ultimately drive those feelings as well. And yeah, it's a, it's a difficult thing. That's why from a business perspective, at its heart, we believe that businesses should have more of a soul more of a conscience towards the work that they're doing and who they're partnering with and the and the effect that they have upon the planet and society and we believe that that can be done in a in a very positive way um so that the crooks that's be, that's the premise behind the business but individually as well um i think it forms you you know like we've had these moments in in our lives where you kind of feel in a weird way happy that you kind of been through it because you become more open and honest and i think if people were prepared to be a lot more open and honest about how their lives are kind of in the direction they're going i think we'd live in a much more positive environment and, and world and and there are subtle changes that we can all do and i guess like looking at it like sounds a bit weird but yeah like it was something that i guess i must have needed to go through to get to where i am today and that's a, a really big part of how i view mental health it's it's not negative. One of the first things they talked about was, oh, like they, they quoted to me about Winston Churchill and the black dog analogy. And that's true. At the beginning, like you do feel that this thing is just like getting bigger and bigger and it's on top of you and you feel like you've got nowhere to turn. You feel 
really claustrophobic, really heightened anxiety, and you feel trapped. And the only way out is a quick and painless way out for yourself. But sadly, it causes even more pain for those that are left to face the realities of what some sadly sadly do. And as you look a little bit further from that analogy and you start to recover and you start to break through some of these perpetual loops of, of thought processes of you know, ultimately the way that your mind works and you start to challenge some of these thoughts that are in your head, you do start to recover and you know you start to see the light and that's critical for me. It shouldn't be seen as a negative topic. It should be seen as something that is part. It's it's akin to like breaking your leg. People see a physical injury when you break a leg. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that somebody isn't hurting inside. You need to have that ability to treat mental health in the exact same way as how you would treat a broken leg with time, with honesty and with support. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Paul. Both of us have had this journey and we've experienced the very tragic lows of, of kind of our own personal mental health. And I think for men specifically, and I see it day in, day out, you know, with friends and with colleagues, you see it on things like LinkedIn and, and other social media platforms, but particularly if we're focusing on the business side of stuff and focusing on the work-related stress, People are just, you know, head down, carry on regardless. And But actually, if you do have the time to have the confidence or the wherewithal to go, actually, no, I need help. It's the best thing. And it really is like such a positive thing to, personally, for me, I found myself in probably about 2015, 16. So, you know, a good few years after like my first kind of mental health episode 
I felt it happened again. And I felt the same things that I was suffering from the first time around. And I recognized them and acknowledged them. And, and actually back in, you know, 2008, 2009-ish, I didn't seek support. I went to see the doctor, you know, the GP. And he said, look, there's, there's counseling available for you, but there's a waiting list. You know, and then I'd moved out of London. So the, the, the counselor that I think it was something like nine, 10, 11 months later, was I then able to get the, the, the support I needed from terms of counseling through the NHS? But and I didn't, I didn't, didn't actually go through with it at that point. I didn't think now that I was actually ready to, to talk and to go through it. But then, you know, more recently in the last kind of few years, I felt those, those triggers happening again. And I thought, actually, you know what it is? I'm going to take control here. And, and what I didn't do the first time was I took, I looked after myself and I said, right. So I spoke to a, a counsellor and it was the, by far the most self-defining moment of my adulthood moving from that point onward, really getting to, to kind of grips with how I was feeling. And, and sometimes it was just sitting and talking crap for an hour but it's getting it out there and getting it off your chest and talking through it and and just processing itself and I've always said from that point on silence is by far like when you're going through the counseling process like silence is so important because a good counselor will allow you to think and to process and to think about things more rationally in a really safe place where I think actually the problem I thought I had was never actually even a problem there's tons to talk about in in that regard, but the support I got certainly was was phenomenal, and, and more even more recently, probably in the last couple, like last year, really, last couple of years, probably October 2019. Again, just got to that point where I was thinking, God, you know, I'd been run the business for what a couple of years by that point, a year and a half, and and again, I, I had a particularly difficult point in the business's journey, and it was really bloody tough it was it was really hard and I thought yeah you know I just need to to again take care of myself protect myself and and end up speaking to a to another therapist through through talking therapies Sue who was incredible you know absolutely incredible and and again it was an eight-month wait so you know it's and I'm, I'm a huge advocate for preventative mental health care so it's not or not waiting for the kind of waiting for it to become a mental health issue. It's actually kind of the preventative stuff that we can do beforehand and recognizing triggers or, or whatever it might be that you think, oh, actually that could become a problem or it's a bit of a niggle. Get yourselves booked in, you know, get speak to somebody and and yes, there's a standard questionnaire you have to fill in and and that kind of thing, but be honest and 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 actually kind of, you know, so it took eight months to speak to somebody, but actually in that eight month time, the pandemic hit. So actually it was bloody brilliant because I <laughs> I got someone like I mean it happened, I mean I got the I got the call, I think, like a week after we went into lockdown and they're like, right, we want to book your first session in. So I was like, bloody hell, brilliant. Like, so I got to speak to a counselor for like 16 sessions you know, during the height of the pandemic. And and it was just so beneficial for me. And it really steered me through kind of, you know, the support and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was just brilliant. It takes a certain strength of character. It takes a certain type of mental mindset as a man to accept help 
and accept that help from other people and to be able to talk to and um, talk about it. And, you know, both you and I have talked about kind of opening up to individuals. I mean, we'd spoke for probably a couple of months online. We never, we, we took us two months to actually meet face to face. And like, you know, but then when we did meet face to face, it was, wasn't long really before we felt very comfortable opening up and talking about it with each other. But that's because we probably both come from a, a similar place of knowledge that we understand and we know about that journey. But I can totally understand and appreciate why men don't feel comfortable talking about it. But I mean, as an advocate and someone who completely advocates for, for men's mental health, I think it's, it's if one person speaks to another individual, one man speaks to another man as a result of this podcast, then as far as I'm concerned, job done. Yeah, exactly. That's that's it. It's it's about speaking. It's about open your mouth and saying what you're thinking, really, really deeply thinking. Because I referred to it when I was chatting to somebody the other day. It's like a toolbox. You kind of create these um, tools that help support you through future. It's not like relapses, but it, mental health is is something that's with people for the rest of their lives. It's not like I did give a bad analogy at the beginning talking about it being a broken leg, but like <laughs> a, you know, you, no, totally and, right, like from a physical perspective, maybe like a broken leg. But the fact is, it it does come back, and you can sense it starting to come back. But you build up mechanisms and tools to counteract that. So, like for me, it was during a pandemic, especially like when the gyms were closed, that was really hard for me because from a selfish perspective, going to the gym was one of my tools. It was just like, I could go and you spend an hour and then you feel a lot better because of the endorphins. But that kind of ability to use and utilize a gym was really important to me. It still is. And likewise, you know, like regular activity walks outside is important to me sleep so many people when they're captured into the the mindset of just work 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 you lose out on sleep you don't sleep as well like i, I almost became like narcoleptic just sleeping maybe like one or two hours a night and it was just it was mental a lot of that was my own fault you know like i just couldn't switch off so like i used to watch basketball in the middle of the night but then you know like sleep is important and also um one of the things that I've I've done is like I try and distance myself from things that make me feel negative. So um, like as we get older, like I, I'm thirty, I'm thirty eight now, thirty nine soon. As we get older, like hangovers were just not good for me. And I also like you could drink happily when you were younger, and that was kind of that was fine. But yeah, now a hangover with me used to last like two, three days. And I just thought to myself, honestly, I'll I'll take a break. Some friends of mine, if they're listening to this podcast, they'll remember a moment when I was on a stag do and I just had way too much. And I felt mortified after that. I just felt so, so embarrassed to myself. That was the point for me that I couldn't really speak to my, my mates there about how bad I was feeling inside. So I just spent a few days on that stag day, just feeling horrendous. And I knew when I got back, that was uh, that's the last time I'll, I'll drink to excess, I would say. Nowadays, like I do occasionally drink, but it's very sporadic. It's like I'll, I'll have a gin and tonic and that's it's it's not what it used to be like so i grew up in in the lake district and in carlisle and especially around my group of mates it was you know it was always that was the main focus about the weekend or we'll we'll get together we'll go out for a few beers or we'll do something we'll have a few beers and 
it just didn't work for me towards like, the, especially in the latter stages of my twenties, because at the time it was mixing in amongst focus on work. Like I became solely focused on, I wanted to become a manager. Then I wanted to become like a senior manager. Then I want to become a director. And like, it's just about the upward movement. And I was pushing away generally normal activities that I would be spending, maybe going around to people's houses and um, just chilling out and stuff like that. So all I was essentially doing was either working or drinking. And now I'm not an alcoholic. I don't have any issue with drink. I just, I know fine well that I just drank too much. And I think that moment also in that particular stag do, yeah, I was just mortified and embarrassed and I was surrounded by my mates and yeah, I just felt really, really deeply embarrassed. You also end up coming out of the other side of things, knowing kind of a cluster rather than being a social butterfly and bouncing from different friendship groups to different friendship group, you you end up with a cluster of maybe five or six people that you can talk to them about anything and you can, and and they know that you're happy to listen to them about anything. And that's what I have now. And I think that's really important to me, like to have this kind of toolkit to support me going forward because, um, that's what you need. You need to kind of build it because going to the gym might not help everybody, but it helped me. Reducing alcohol might not help everybody, but it helped me. And likewise to... It's definitely like finding what works for you. And I think that's so individual. And you're so right to kind of pick, that, pick, like pick up on that because it is completely individual. I think nobody should feel or no man should feel apologetic for like leaving an evening early or not going to something or, you know, like declining invitation or saying, actually, lads, I'm going to, I'm going to bring the car tonight because I don't fancy drinking. Like no man should feel guilty about that because essentially that's their toolbox. That's what they're using to like support their own like yeah. health and, and self-care. And you thought about a stag do that interesting. It's just like right, my memory just kind of switched on there about a stag do that I went on with, you know, there's a big crowd. It was 34 of us on this stag do. It was massive. And, you know, we had three villas and it was probably the second stag do I've been on, really, in my life. And it was massive. And I was meeting people I'd never met for the, for the first time. I'd never met before. There was probably a half a dozen that I had met before, but the rest I had, you know, I'd never, never encountered before. But my God, like, we set that stag do WhatsApp group up now. I want to say four years ago and it's still going and it's honestly the best thing. I mean, we talked, we were open, like the lads were brilliant. They were just, I mean, we're God, we still drank probably four, like way too much. And, you know, I think me, I was there and I, again, was very open with people. I, I wasn't, you know, I was open about my own mental health and with, with people I've never met before. And, you know, these are all guys who typically quite social and, and, but actually not one of them was unwilling to talk and open up and, you know, and, and it, I became a bit of a kind of the dad of the group and they, they, they sort of like seeking me out to talk to me, but like offline when we just chat face to face, but then subsequently like we've used the WhatsApp group as a vehicle for people to talk and open up and just ask people how they are. Like, are you all right, lads? Like, you know, we've organized kind of things during lockdown to help each other and just talk and, you know, more recently, like me and a handful of them went on a on a hike up in Northumberland, and you know, and that was an opportunity for one of them just to open up and just to talk. And he's like, "Look, lads, actually, I'm I'm struggling. I'm, I've been really struggling. Like, what do you think? And like, and you know, you offer support and advice. And 
there's been a turning point and I'm, I'm really hopeful that it'll continue and that typically men will be able to have that support net- network from other men that will allow them to be able to kind of, to be more open and more honest with with their friends, but also with themselves and actually kind of be more honest about how they're feeling. And it's not just about relationship or work or you know, family or whatever it is, it's, it's your whole self. It's everything. It's, it's your whole being that you should be able to be honest with and be open about. And, you know, the more that we can talk about it, the better. I think that's probably a really nice place to finish on because it's, that's the crux of why we wanted to do this was not just talk about our own journeys, but just to talk. And that's the main element of this. And yeah, hope as you said earlier, if this leads to one or two people just chatting and opening up and seeking mm. help if they need to, then yeah, that, that's it. Definitely. That's- I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to speak on behalf of you, but you know, if, if, you know, particularly our business network essentially lives on LinkedIn, you know, if anybody wants to send me a direct message or if they want to reach out more than happy to, to, to chat to anybody really, if the, if the, if they feel the need, I'm not, I'm not speaking on behalf of you, but I'm sure you're probably... No, no, that's, just, that's the same. It's like, yeah. you know, that, that's the same. So anybody, if they, if they want um, any advice or help or whatever, you know how to find us. We're quite easy to find. Yeah. And even if it's a signposting, if you want, you know, some support and advice and signposting elsewhere, you know, we're not mental health experts. You know, we've lived through it. We we continue to live through it, but we're not experts by any stretch of imagination. Yeah. But ultimately... I've got a, my toolbox, you know, and I know where I need to go for support if I need it. Um, so feel free to to kind of get in touch, I suppose, if you if you feel the need. Yeah, but, um, exactly. No, that's been it's been good. I mean, as I say, I could, we could literally we might yeah, end exactly. up doing a follow up one. <laughs> probably talk for like another two days on this, but yeah, we just we just generally just thought, you know, mental health awareness week. It's something that we can share our story, and I think we both agree before that we were happy to. And as I say, hopefully, it's been it's been of value. This podcast was brought to you by Purpose Made, a strategic change consultancy supporting people and business to navigate the post-pandemic global society. This is what transformational change sounds like. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe and we'll see you again for the next episode. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.